welcome to the Money Orchard Podcast. Investors have a problem. You don't want to lose money. You don't want to run out of money. You want your money to grow and you want a future free from financial worry. There are thousands of complex investments. Most of them fail. It's extremely difficult to know what will succeed. That's why Dennis turned financial language into a story that will change how you invest. You will see the financial world as clear as an in-focus photograph. It turns investment information into real financial knowledge that works. Hello and welcome to The Money Orchard with Dennis Zadaraka. Today we're going to be talking about getting fooled. Woohoo! <laughs> Something I don't really appreciate a lot of times. Dennis, how are you? I'm very good today. All right. You, you sent me some notes ahead of time and we've been chit-chatting a little bit. And this is all about getting fooled. And uh, I don't know if the audience is going to really like this topic right off the bat, but I think that once you get into it, they're going to understand exactly what you're talking about. Okay. How, yeah. how are we getting into this today? Well, one of the things that I wanted to, I thought, okay, what's the most dangerous thing that we do as investors that really, you know, you know, I would say almost kills us. Hmm. And the best way I came up with that is how we fool ourselves. I tried to think, okay, how do, how do I illustrate that, that, you know, like we fool ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, you know, I think I'm handsome, more handsome than I really am. I think I weigh less <laughs> than I really do. And Oh, come on now. I, <laughs> Nobody does and, that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm taller than I, you know, so in, in other words, we have, a, we have a perception of ourselves that, uh, and a self image of ourselves that maybe not be totally real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so, but, but to, to get it, you know, to get, to get to kind of like in terms of where other people can understand this, I love magic tricks, magic acts, you know, and I mean, I, I actually got to see Penn and Teller live over there in Las Vegas. Uh, I mean, then obviously there's David Copperfield and, Chris Angel right now is probably the big, you know, the big name in terms of magic. And there's lots of other people. But here's the interesting thing about magic. We go into a place, we know they're going to do something that we know can't happen. Mm -hmm. So essentially what happens, they get us to see something that isn't real, really didn't happen. But at the same time, they're getting us to not see something that really did happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where all of a sudden I thought, you know, that's that's kind of like investing. Sometimes we think, hey, I got this, you know, the great idea, and then it turns out, whoops, it, it didn't it didn't work. Yeah. Um, and 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 honestly, when you when you, when you go into these, you know, it's a magic, you know, I, I don't want to just you know depreciate it as a magic trick, but let's just call it a magic trick. We go to the show knowing that they're going to fool us. Mm -hmm. And we're amazed that they did. And how do they do that? Yeah. And that's, that's, so that's the carryover that I want to kind of, you know, bring into the, um, into the conversation about investing is that it's the way our brains work. Yeah. Well, Penn and Teller, I mean, they have a show called fool us. Right. I mean, because they're they're they understand that there are other magicians out there. And so people come on this show and they compete and they they give their best trick to try to fool Penn and Teller. Now, they know <laughs> through their experience a ton of the tricks and a ton of the little things that, that people are probably doing on stage. But there are times they still get fooled. Um, and I think that that's a joy for them because you see it on their face. They get really excited. I can't believe it, but you fooled us. And so, you know, the person on stage wins a little prize or a trophy or something, but 
uh, I find it interesting that even the magicians like to get fooled because they like to, to learn new things and they know how the brain works as well. Um, what other ways do our brains fool us, Dennis? I don't, I don't know that I'm going to say it, it that, that fools us, but as you know, I don't know. I think every kid or at least lots of kids. I mean, I remember, cause I remember doing this laying down in the summer and looking at the clouds and you would see things in the clouds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some of it is our brain wants to take what's out there and interpret what is this and make, try it's trying to understand. And so it projects this, you know, there's a dog or there's a, you know, there's a cat. Or, and so we, we see things in the, in the clouds. Now there's, you know, the, it, it's really not there, uh, but our brains kind of in, interpret it that way. And so the, I would say the other, the other way we, that happens with that is everyday life. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever driven down the road and you're talking to your wife, you're talking on the phone or you're yelling at your kids and you missed the turnoff that you've been, you've turned off for about 200 times because that's where you go home. Uh-huh. So, well, that's so interesting that you bring that up because the, so there's two things there with our brain. Number one, I think with, with the cloud example, I look at that as that's our desire to see something that's not necessarily there. Now we see a, a, a shape that's close to an elephant, but we can totally make it into an elephant because that's the desire that we have. Oh, look, I see an elephant and I can point out its tail, even though it may not exactly look like the tail or the trunk is half the size of a regular trunk. Ah, there, there's this trunk. So that's our desire pushing that elephant or that rabbit or whatever on that cloud and, and saying, okay, that's what we want to see. And then the other thing is when you, when you brought up the freeway, what I do more often is, and I've done this, I don't know how many times is my brain is just mechanical. It's wired. I take an exit that I'm not supposed to take because, oh, that's the exit to go home. Well, I wasn't going home. I was actually going to go to the store, which is two exits down, but my brain just automatically made me take that exit because <laughs> it knows what I normally do, right? It's a repetition and I'm stuck in a rut with certain things. And so, yeah, I, I think that's, it's interesting. Yeah, look, I've done that because, because I mean, I moved from Chicago to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. So now, I mean, now I live here. And when we first moved here, we lived in one place, and now we live in a different place. Well, there's times I've gotten on the road and going to the old place. Exactly. Because I'm driving <laughs> on automatic, and and, yep. and so what I mean. Uh, <laughs> so I so that I think though I think the important thing to come out of this is that we really block out certain kinds of things when we're concentrating or we're doing something else. Mm -hmm. um, let me give you one other example. And this isn't so much how your brain fools us because it's trying to get to understand. Cause if I can understand why my brain works the way it does, I can avoid making mistakes and, 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 and problems. And I, and this is an, it was in firearms training and we, they were teaching us in terms of a hostile threatening situation. You know, what do you do? And what happens is your your vision focuses down totally into a tunnel vision, mm. because your your you know your brain is like this is a threat to me, it's dangerous, and your your full attention is concentrated in this. Well, what they taught us is you have to learn to break that that tunnel, because some guy on the other side might be his buddy is going to come up and hit you in the head with a brick, mm. and so so it's your brain you know blocking all the other stimuli out to focus on what's really important. And that's that's how to you know I'm you know successful is I can concentrate on something for a certain period of time, but while I'm concentrating, I'm blocking out other things. Yeah. Yep. 
And so that the same thing is going to be true in, in, in investing is we can focus on something so hard that we miss some of the other stuff that's important. Yep. And we can be blindsided by something that is negative or miss a positive opportunity uh, because we, we just don't see it. Exactly. Now, let me give you an, another example, just in this is trying to understand how our brains work and, and, and sometimes how they don't work. But my younger daughter, what he really has what they described as ADD. Mm -hmm. And and she didn't went through some testing. It was a mild form, but still, you know, still had some some issues in concentration in school. And this is where the psychologist said ADD isn't lack of a <laughs> lack of attention. The problem is it's attention to everything. And so we're sitting in the room talking to her. I mean, the, the, my daughter's there and the psychologist and my daughter says, yeah, for, says, you can't hear those lights, can you? Mm. Like, no. And she said, the clock over there is ticking. Can you hear that? I said, no. <laughs> and so so it's just, you know, or, or other thing, well, let's use an other example is uh, people who live on a, on, on a busy highway. You go over their house and it's like, how do you live here? They can't hear it. Mm-hmm their brain has blocked it out so the important thing is for us, us to understand is that and i it's and i use the thing stressing is we can fool ourselves and our brains can fool us but it's really not trying to it's not so much trying to fool us it's just the way it works and we have to set up some ways to how do we realize this is how our brain works and then how do i take it not either take advantage of it or how do i use this to make good decisions yeah absolutely all right. And I know one thing that we talked about before the podcast is for these podcasts, every time you're going to do something uh, for the audience at the end of the podcast, and we're going to basically call it, what about today? The concepts that you're going to be talking about at the end of the podcast, you're going to say, okay, how do we use this today on a day-to-day -day basis? So I just want to let the audience know about that. Um, so stick around to the end. And Dennis is going to, as we go through this and he goes through what you can do and, and kind of how this applies to your life and investing in the orchard. Just know that at the end of the podcast, he's going to be telling you what you can do right this minute today to start making those changes. All right, Dennis, where do we go from here? Well, one of the things I want to say kind of the shift over to, to uh, kind of take the wall and the magic trick and then, okay, take it into wall street mm -hmm. is one of the things, if you notice in these magic acts or magic tricks, they always have the story. They're talking to you. Essentially, what they're doing is they're keeping your brain engaged. Mm -hmm. So where your brain is focused on this, it doesn't see the other thing that they're doing. Got it. And that's just like when you're going back. To, that's like when you're driving down the road and you're talking to your wife, yelling at your kids or whatever you're doing, mm -hmm. listen to the radio, is that's how you can make the wrong turn there because your brain is focused over here. Got it. So you miss something that you do all the time except for now it's do, you know busy doing this. And so essentially with the magic, you know, again, the magic act, they're kind of chatting you up to distract, to distract you. So, so just showing, we don't see everything that's going around us mm -hmm. and, and we're not paying attention to everything. And so it's, it's, you know, I'll say going, so going back to um, the investment world is a lot of times the, 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 the stories sound really good like the dot-com bubble sounded so wonderful and everybody knew that we're gonna get get rich <laughs> we're gonna get rich mm -hmm. and and so and everybody's you know you know this is something everybody knows i mean everybody knows it except for it didn't turn out to be you know to write you know the right the right thing let's go back historically i'll do this one a long time ago <laughs> 
Krispy Kreme donut was just a, the best way to describe it. It was a fad stock. Oh, this was Elvis's donut. You know, actually, they're pretty darn good donuts. But, they are fantastic. But it, it, it was interesting. So you go to go to the store, you see them making the donuts. They're sliding down the line. That, that whole thing. Well, the stock at one point is one hundred and twenty dollars a share. Hmm. And, I, and I remember one in reading one analyst. He said. This stock would have to grow at 25% per year to justify, for 10 years, to justify the existing price. Now, he could see it. Why couldn't other, a whole bunch of other people can't see that? And the other part about it, he said, it's donuts. Lots of people can make donuts. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a crazy price. Well, actually, they overbuilt and got a lot of, you know, tried to build too many stores and got a financial difficulty. Stock eventually went to like a buck. Oh, wow. So, when you, so again, there's an example of we think we see something and it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. So how do, and again, how do we keep ourselves from doing that? Um, let's do another, another way of going about it is, it's the way to frame the question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this one on you. I have a stamp from the 1980, 1980s Olympics, Olympic stamp. 1980, a stamp cost 15 cents to mail a letter. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is today? I think it's 52 cents, right? Somewhere 50, 55. 55. Oh, see. It went up. Uh, yeah, apparently I was sleeping. <laughs> now, here's a way, again, I mean, this is an example of like how, how do we perceive things. So my question to you would be th- this. Did inflation cause the price of stamps to go up or did the value of the dollar go down? Hmm. I'd say a little bit of both. Well, let's do it this way. Which sounds worse? Well, I think they're both worse in a a way, but we don't want the The dollar going down. The worst is really the value of the dollar went down because that affects Everything. Everything. Yep. True. Yep. But we talk about inflation and the prices going up. What I just said is exactly the same thing in two different ways. Mm-hmm. There's no difference to what I said. It's just how I said it. And that's really the way you frame the question determines how you interpret it. True. So, you know, hey, inflation goes up, blah, blah, you know, it's sort of like that. But when you realize that the dollar has gone down 25, that's about 25% since 1980 and 40 years. Mm. That sounds terrible. Yes. So again, my, you know, as I perceive it differently, I don't, I don't exactly know there's any way you can react to that because it, it is what it is, but it makes the problem seem, seem not, not seem makes the problem, a, you know, a bigger problem. So if most people thought of it that way, maybe we'd get on our politicians to you gotta you gotta stop this stuff. Because basically inflation is caused by by a government spending money they don't have and borrowing money and then it's just inflation. Yeah. So how, how do we combat this? How do we combat the the way our brains trick us? How do we how do we take that that look of reality? You know, I'm looking at the cloud. Yeah, it's kind of in the shape of an elephant, but it's not an elephant. It's not it's not that close. Well, I'm going to give you an example from one investment company. There's a family of mutual funds, very good family, been around for, you know, 80, 80 years. So they, they do a good job. And they've created, they have a system, you know, kind of a process, realizing that people see things in a different way. 
Mm-hmm. So when they do research, when they when when they do research of companies they want to buy, they go visit the companies. And I remember, I remember the, this is going back way way long time ago. He's he basically says we don't trade pieces of paper. We're looking to buy good businesses. Mm. And I, and that's that stuck with me. That's like he's that's 1980 when I when I when I when I heard that. They don't buy a stock or don't buy a company unless their analyst visits the company and they reg- visit regularly. But the other interesting thing they do is they send both their stock analyst and their bond analyst together, hmm. because each, you know a stock analyst and a bond analyst they, they have different perceptions about a company, how well the company's doing, or how well how bad it might bad it might be doing. And so, the result is they can, you know, and maybe even what the other thing is when you're in, in a meeting like that, while I'm talking, I might be missing some things. The other guy can observe what's going on. And maybe read some body language is like, you know, I know what his words said. Yeah. But something's wrong here. I don't know what it is, but let's dig deeper. Got it. And so that, and so there, there's value in for having two people having a different perspective. Now, uh, how how do we, you know, how do we, you know, keep one is there's it's both a negative and a positive. One is I want to find out if there's something wrong. But the other thing is I want to make sure I'm not missing something that's good. Mm-hmm. So the bond analyst might say the stock guys like, look, I know the earnings are down and all you know, this stuff. It's like, but these guys have very little debt. They're not spending a lot of money borrowing money. They've got a lot of cash. So I think they're going to be okay. We should invest here. Um, or the bond guy might say, they got. I don't care what the how well the stock is doing. They got so much debt, it's going to kill them. Mm-hmm. So it's again trying to bring two different perspectives in terms of what they do. Uh, so together, looking at it, they they see a clearer picture than they would be as if each guy in each guy went separately to, and did the same meeting. And that goes back to the old saying: two brains are better than one, right? I mean, it's it, that's that's how it boils down. Or two sets of eyes, or three sets of eyes. Exactly, exactly. Now, my experience, same thing. Um, I went to Mayo Clinic and had, you know, had to have a physical and more than that. I mean, they were trying to find out what, you know, what was my illness. And after all the, you know, the blood work and the x-rays and the, you know, what do we do? The what are the EKGs and all the kind of tests they do is um, we, you know, show up. This is like a couple of days later and in the doctor's office where there's three guys there. Hmm. And they're all talking to each other, kind of like, what do you see? And from they're looking at it from a different, each one has a different perspective. And I found that that fascinating is that they, you know, they coming from different perspectives to try to figure out what the what the heck's wrong with this guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, again, it's even in the medical part is, I mean, is that's why you go get a second opinion sometimes when you have to when the doctor says, you know, open heart surgery. Yeah. Like, I think I'm going to get a second opinion, make sure that's this is what we need. So now how do how do how do we apply this investment wise? That's why that it's important to have an advisor, somebody that you trust. And I'd say two things. Sometimes somebody to tell you no, and sometimes somebody to point out, hey, this is a good idea. Go ahead and do it. Pull the trigger. I remember when my daughter bought, wanted for her graduation gift, this like 2002, wanted an iPod. And I remember, you know, I went and bought the thing, and I don't know, it's like 400 bucks. I mean, but the same thing is I saw this stock is selling about, it lived, it, Adjusted for the split for about five dollars a share. Well, now it's two hundred and sixty-five dollars a share. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I could see this. I went through my mind as with there people are going to play music on this all the time. It's not selling this iPod that's going to make the money. It's all the songs they're going to sell to put on the darn thing. Mm -hmm. So I could kind of, I mean, I could kind of see it, but because this is my you know field that I work in, I get distracted because I see lots of good investment ideas. I never, I never did it. Mm. And that's where it would have been helpful to have, you know, have somebody say, Hey, you're right. Go get some. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good idea. <laughs> now there might be, now the other side would be true. Maybe I'm like all in, I mean, I got my tunnel vision. Oh, this is a wonderful thing. And that, you know, we'll pick the dot com one of your choice. These are great things. And we're going to, you know, go public and make a lot of money. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoops, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a good company. It was just a good idea. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we need somebody to kind of put the brakes on too. So it's, it's like one is to give you a little push. It's okay. And the other is to, Hey, slow down. Did you, did you think of this? All right. That being said, Dennis, what about today? Right. That that's our phrase that we're going to use in every podcast. What about today? What can somebody do today that'll change this? Okay. I'm going to give you one guy, meaning me, my perspective and what I, what I, what it's something that I'm seeing, and, and it's, so it's just going to be just going to be information. And if if it's even close to being right, it, this is going to be very important to kind of pay attention to. And so one of the things that I would would talk about and everyone mentioned is that the trend right now in investing is passive investing, and it's passive versus active. Okay. And this is like using indexes and ETFs and putting them all together and in, in uh, your you know, mix of your portfolio and so on. And I'm beginning to be afraid that that might be the, that might be the trigger of the next market, call it an adjustment, correction. I don't know that I would say it would be a crash, but I think it's going to make it go down because there's, there's 2,000 ETFs. That's a lot of indexes. Yeah, it is. And we don't need 2000 and there's not enough money in probably in the world to invest in all the 2000. So at some point the wheels are going to come off the cart in some way. I don't know how it's just, I want to watch this area really, really, you know, very closely. Mm -hmm. And to give you some, some factual numbers, the flow of the money to, to passive versus active is almost eight to one. Hmm. In any, any times in the investment world that one the money is flowing one direction and too heavy of a cate you know category or, or space. Usually something bad happens, and that that's the really the trigger for me is this is a lot of money going there now. What's active versus passive? They're saying you can't beat the market, so you just you know you index, blah, blah, you know all that kind of stuff. Now there's people who are good, and I call them stock pickers, are good buyers of good companies. So it's saying, wait, wait a minute. Warren Buffett does a really good job of being an active investor. Another, probably the you know grandfather, the dean or whatever, was John Templeton, incredible stock picker. He could look at a balance, he could look at an annual report, and there were reports in there, and he, within about thirty to seconds to one minute, could say yes or no. It's this a good company? Hmm. And, uh, and well, and I actually, I actually had a friend of mine who actually worked for John, and um, in told me some stories about him that were really funny. The other one is the old, this is going back into the, you know, the eighties and nineties was Peter Lynch at, at Fidelity Magellan. Peter Lynch was a good stock picker. 
So it can be done. And then again, then even now, there's certain mutual fund families that that's what they do. They don't care about indexing. They don't care about asset allocation in that sense. They want they want to buy you know good good businesses, and they're going to be call it stock pickers, if you will. But it's not so much stock picking because I mean that that kind of misleads what you're doing. What we really are looking for is to try to buy a good business, mm-hmm. and that is possible. I mean, there's it's. Uh, one of my customers was a, an executive at a at a company where they they grew by acquisition, so they could go out and, and say we want to buy this company, we don't want to buy this company. So they would try to buy good businesses, and put it together in a mix for the for the company. So I I, I describe passive investing as kind of lazy investing. Don't have to research a stock. Don't have to go think too hard. I just buy this index and put it in the portfolio, and then it does its magic, whatever. And I, and I, I'm not, I'm not, not sure. I would say I, it, it's not that easy. Yeah, we have to think. We have to do some work. Uh, if you want to, if you want a better than just average mushy return, it's going to take a little bit of work. Yeah, I mean, you're, you, it, the work is. I, I think really, you have to work with somebody who knows what they're doing. I mean, as I, I would not trust myself to be able to spend the time to research. I, I have other things that I have to do. I mean, I've got grandkids now. I've got, you know, my, my own children that are just uh, really starting out on their own. And, and I need to be able to be free to help them. Plus, I've got aging parents. I'm in the sandwich generation. I've got aging parents. I help, you know, help with uh, them and their household. I don't have time to do all that research. And so, but to do this, Eric, is what we need to do is we need to do some re- some research, if you will, who out there is good. Yeah. And um, and I, I just, my daughter was compl- one time when she was in college complained about you know it's boring or whatever, and I said, Nicole, you're not there to be entertained. This isn't Sesame Street anymore. Yeah. Is you're really in college to teach yourself? Then I asked the question in high school. How many really good teachers did you have? Mm-hmm. And she like thought about she said, maybe two. Yeah. I said, the reason that is is most of us are average. Not everybody makes the Hall of Fame that plays baseball or mm-hmm. basketball. The exceptional people are not average, they're exceptional. Yeah. And so we can find who is who is the you know the exceptional person with the real talent and the real and the real skill. And so, and that so that's part of you know part of the job is really to to to, to say I need I I can and I need to look for that. Yep. Um, kind of give it kind of drive the thing home. Is I like to play golf. I played baseball in high school and college. Now I was a good hitter, but I couldn't get a foul ball off the worst pitcher in the minor leagues. <laughs> that's how. That's so now. Here's the other part. Like, okay, Tiger Woods is like the superstar for you know one of the one of the great golfers of, of you know of time. I would never take my fifty thousand dollars and play against Tiger Woods for money. Yeah, no, <laughs> not going to win. But the funny thing is, is, is a lot of times investors think they can beat the professionals. Yeah. And when I when I when I'm talking to people, I say, look, Goldman Sachs is the Tiger Woods in their world. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to beat them regularly <laughs> yeah yeah and so that's the same thing is, is is to really seek out the talent that 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 that's what they're good at 
I want to go back to the the practical application is is one of the things that I'm seeing and, and it it's just again one perception it might be wrong but at the same time as I what I'm saying is like the, the thing to passive investments and ETFs and all that and the, the the bulk of the money flowing that one direction that's starting to worry me mm-hmm. and that's it's it's an area that I think is worth paying attention to is like uh, maybe you know, do some of that, but maybe trying to move, find somebody in the other category as well. Yeah. So I have a combination of passive and active. Mm-hmm. Dennis, if somebody's listening to this and they say, "I want to further this conversation with Dennis," um, I'd like to hear more about his concerns. I'd like to hear more about his tips as far as what I can be doing. How do they reach out to you? Um, I would I, go to my website, which is my name, DennisSatareka.com read a little bit about how I, you know, my, I would say philosophy, how mm-hmm. I work, what, what I believe. And that way you'd really find out is, is, is does this guy, you know, does he match with me um, in terms of what I think and what I want to do? Uh, then there, there's contact information in there uh, through email. Uh, and the other thing I'd say is like, you know, part of the podcast, if, if anybody has a question, it's like, hey, I have a question email us and we'll deal with it in one of the podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Open it up so we can, we can deal with it on the podcast and you can hear your answer and, and uh, people talk around the water cooler all the time. So I'm sure you've got questions. Uh, Email Dennis and and we'll get that on the podcast. Dennis, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. All right. And thank you all for listening to the money orchard podcast with Dennis Zadaraka. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Dennis comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at The Money Orchard, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. The Money Orchard symbolizes the portfolio, which is your money making money. When income from the orchard is the same as the income from your job, you are financially self-reliant. You have income sustainability because of your money orchard. Thank you for listening to the Money Orchard podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. TheMoneyOrchard.org.